What's up, y'all? You're in for another episode of the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we want you, our listeners, to learn to find humor in your mistakes. I'm Donovan McNeil, and I host this podcast with my best friend, Andrew Gleason. Each week, we interview someone who has made some missteps along the way in life, and we have a good laugh. Through this, we hope that you, our little mistakers, will learn that mistakes are okay. If you've been keeping up, you'll know that I moved to D.C. two weeks ago with my girlfriend, and people have been asking me, are you still going to do the podcast with Andrew? What? Of course. Uh, Andrew was very supportive when I first told him I was thinking about moving. He said, dude, as long as we plan in advance, we'll still put the podcast out. So we're doing it. A girl is not going to break up this band. Things have been going wonderful with the move. Everything is great, except for her cats. I've never lived with pets before, um, but I'm learning that even though I may not like her cats, I'm going to have to learn to deal with them because they're going to be here for a while. I know that for a fact because I've been Googling the life expectancy of cats for the past few weeks. I've got another 10 years. Um, No, I like them fine. It's just that they come around... And they will eat my food if I'm not watching it. And I'm not used to being so diligent when it comes to food consumption. I'll keep you updated on the move as things progress. Uh, This living with someone is a new thing to me. Crazy shenanigans. I don't know how people do it. Um, The guest for this week is Janine Slaughter. She is hilarious. And she comes on our show to open up about her mistake of marrying a crackhead. And then ultimately learning to choose herself first. And then getting over the fact that she had made mistakes in the past because she talks about beating herself up for a long time. So take a listen. This episode is great. I thank Janine for getting on. I really appreciate that. And take a listen, little mistakers. What's up, my little mistakers, and welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast. I'm here with Janine Slaughter. How's it going? It's going great. And Andrew Gleason. Hey. What's cracking? Happy Sunday, by the way. Yes, happy Sunday. How are you doing? Like, I know you got a lot going on. You got to take your kid to go ball out. Yeah, you know what? Hey, being a mom, it's, 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 your job is never done. It's always on the go, 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 go. Busy, busy, busy. Do you like that? Do you like being busy? Um, no, you know? no, I don't. I, I just want to be lazy and like lay around and stuff. But you're a hustler. Like I, I see just to give a little introduction, you you do comedy. You got your radio show now or is it like a recorded show? It is a recorded show, like radio podcast kind of show. Uh, we're trying to get it on the radio, but it's uh, like audio, kind of like audio video. So we're starting that out. So that's exciting. Exactly. You're a hustler. So yeah. you just don't. Do you like being lazy or? Well, you know what? I want to be. I want money. Like uh, I want to. Like, I want to be wealthy and I want to have money, but I don't want to do any work. You okay. know what I'm saying? That that's what it is. Yeah. If I just be perfectly honest. Okay. Yeah. You're a hustler that wants to be lazy, but you hustle because you want money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when I got kids, I have to. You know fair, what I'm enough, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. You didn't have kids, you just might be a lazy. I, I, yeah. Well, you remember we were talking about the trafficking thing. You know what, yeah. what I'm saying? I don't know. I might, you just might sell something. <laughs> just might just lay there and hey. Hey, it's money. <laughs> Leave the money on the nightstand. Hey, my sister says she uh, <laughs> she's had sex and never got money for it so and, and bad you. things you know heartbroken why not get something for it so yeah, I swear, i'm with your sister hey <laughs> fair enough 
Okay, so um, the reason we have this podcast is because we want people to understand that mistakes are okay. Uh, so let's get to know you a little bit. Like, where are you from? I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Motor City, yes. Okay, Eminem, uh, uh, Ford, Motown Sound. Okay, yep. Mo- okay all, all that. All of that, all that good stuff. Yep. Okay. Did you ever take up music at all? Um, I played the the flute for a few years. Um, okay. I played. Well, actually, I played in elementary. I played in middle school, and I played in high school. And then I started liking boys and dick and stuff. And I, <laughs> I start blowing on something else, right? Fuck the flute. <laughs> Fuck the flute. I'm gonna blow on something else. And so, okay. yeah. Okay. Mistake number one. Well, man, if you if I could go back in time before I like girls, I just might be like, hey man, like that's gonna cause you a lot of drama. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, when did you move down here? I moved here in 2010, but then I had been in Michigan my entire life, came here with my job, um, relocated with my uh, family, and we came here. Can I guess what you do? Sure. I have no clue what you do. Uh, We'll both guess. Okay. Um, I think that you're a principal. That's a good guess. I think you are a, a pilot. Pilot, wow, no. Neither of the two. I am a corporate travel agent. Okay. Oh, shit, I was close. Close, close, yeah. I have booked travel for, like, high-level executives. Oh, okay. Travel for business and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you... do you set up like a mile high club for them? Like if, if they need that to happen? No, no, okay. no. Don't do anything like that, unfortunately. That sounds like good business. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, but no, don't do anything like that. Just book their travel, send them all over the place, watch them spend thousands of dollars on corporate travel while they pay me pennies on the dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do they, uh, <laughs> do you work with like uh, like Delta, like regular airlines? or All is the it major like- airlines. But I work for Expedia. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Seen those so, commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know that gnome? No. In the commercial, the little mm-hmm. lawn. On the Expedia commercial? Yeah. Is that Expedia? Uh, is it? It's. It, yeah, I think it's Expedia. The little gnome. I don't it's like think the little that's lawn gnome. Oh, uh, never mind. I thought you might have known a famous gnome. <laughs> no, I did have a, a obsession with gnomes when I was a child. Really, I did. What was your childhood interest like? What 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 did you like? Were you a nerd? I was quiet. I was um I was a chubby kid. You know okay. what I'm saying? So I was a chubby kid. Um, but I was well liked. Like I had a lot of friends. I was popular. Um, but I I don't know. I was in the TV. I was really into like TV shows and sitcoms. That was okay. my thing. And snacks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> snacks and sitcoms. That was you my like thing. a Martin fan. Were you a Martin fan? No, I'm forty seven years old. Like I don't I don't I didn't Happy know that. Days okay. and Laverne and Shirley and Okay. okay. Those, I didn't know that. Yeah, those okay. kind of shows. So. I was thinking like thirty seven. Thirty No, okay. I wish. Okay. <laughs> I wish. No. And so you came down here, um, what did you come down here for? Just you tried. You said your job, right? Well, I came down here uh, as part of my huge mistake. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Let's just jump into it. <laughs> um, no, actually, at the time, my husband was um, in recovery, coming out of drug drug treatment. Um, one of the things that they suggested was that he. Um, get out of Michigan and try like just a new environment. I um, mean, he really wanted to leave. So me being the the good stupid wife that I was, <laughs> we packed up the family and we came to North Carolina. What was he? On? What drugs was he doing? Was it like weed or? Oh no, he was like no, the good. Uh, the, oh, like the good crack, good. Crack is whack. Yeah, oh, the, crack it. Okay. The Whitney. So. Yeah. The, oh, so you were. <laughs> all right, you were dating a crackhead. Or, yeah. Uh, married yeah. to a crackhead. Married crack. to a crackhead. Did you know he was one before y'all got married? 
Yeah, I did. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so these mistakes are adding up. Oh, man, they're just adding <laughs> up. I'm telling you, I, I could write a book. Yeah. Uh, can you go on record saying that, hey, ladies, if you're like, man, is a crackhead, don't put a ring on it? Like, uh, yeah, I would say don't, <laughs> like, don't, don't do it. Don't give, give him some time to be clean first. Don't, figure it out. Yeah, okay. don't, don't think you can save him. Okay. Yeah, okay. You, you can't. Uh, okay. Well, like, uh, what do you think? What was your going through your mind at the time as, as it was happening? Because so often, sometimes when mistakes are happening, we don't realize it's a mistake at the time. You know, at the time, I think I didn't realize that. I mean, he had his own little personal issues, but I think looking back on it now, I had to realize, damn, I had some some issues within myself and <laughs> some things I needed to be worked out to even connect myself to this situation. Not saying that he was a bad person. He just wasn't in a position to be a husband at that time, you know, in his life. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, how did you work those issues out within yourself? Oh, therapy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, people that go to school to tell you, like, what's wrong with you mentally. Yeah. yeah. I went and sat down with one of those people. Hell yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what you got to do. Though. Like, someone who just keeps it, like, 100 with you. Yeah. Like, that doesn't know anybody in your circle. You exactly. can say whatever you want to say about everybody in your circle. You can just get it all out. And then they can tell you, yep, you, you are a certified nutcase. And, <laughs> you know, give you some pills and send you on your way. You know, you even get a little time off work if you oh, fill oh, out the paperwork. Oh, right? yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Shit, I might go to third. Yeah, I feel like you just need that person that's just like one hundred percent honest, has no agendas. Like McNeil, you fucking up right now. Like, where do you think this is going? Like this decision making yeah. process. Well, I had my mom. She was that person. But, you know, you don't listen to your mom. You can't listen to mom. Yeah, my dude. mom's like, listen, God ain't told you to marry no crackhead, okay? Don't try to put this on the Lord, okay? Because God ain't told you to marry no crackhead. You know, you know <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways. Like, uh, maybe he sent that down for you to be you now. Like, he's like, hey. Janine needs to date a crackhead to move on. To have in some life. great material when she does comedy, like, you know, down the road, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it was. Um, okay, so you're in North Carolina, you're in the middle of your marriage. Like, what's that like? Are you are you a comedian yet? Like, are you finding the funny in it? No, 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 no. Well, actually, when we came here, he actually had he had he's been so he says, I don't know. He's been clean. Um the horrible part of it, the whole addiction and that part of it was basically while we were in Michigan. When we moved here, we did have a clean slate and we had a clean start. And it's crazy. Uh, drugs is not even what caused the demise of the marriage. It was his infidelity. Um, oh, see, I feel like you have to pick a thing, right? Yeah. You got <laughs> like, either you're going to smoke crack or you're going to cheat. What you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> he wanted to have his cake and eat it, too. He, he wanted to have his crack and smoke it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what caused the demise of the marriage, though, was okay. infidelity. Um, and then comedy came after that. Or the audacity. I know, right? <laughs> the audacity. Oh, wow. she ever, you still talk? Yeah, we talk. We have two children. So we, okay. we have to talk. Does he want you back? Yes, he does. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, he does. Hey, sometimes <laughs> you mess up. Like he needs to sing. He needs to learn how to sing and like sing an Usher song to you or something. Like would that work? Like if can he sing? Yeah, he can. He can sing. Oh, okay. No, but it's not. Gonna it's happen. not going to work. Mm-mm, no. Like okay. What if his album took off and he became a millionaire? Then I would get great child support. <laughs> and me and my new boo would live good yeah. <laughs> off his money. Then you could be lazy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, 
So how is life now? Like you're ripping and running. Uh, how do you feel about this? Like, do you feel like you're on the other side of it? I feel like I'm on the other side of it now. Like for a long time, though, I, I dealt with a lot of regret. I beat myself up a lot. Um, because for a long time I, I woke up like, you know, like, listen, okay. Like I, I didn't understand. I'm like, okay, I am 700 miles away from my family, everything I know and love. Cause I don't have much family. I don't have anybody here. So I came here in the blind. I'm like, and you know, I've supported this man through all of his addiction, his struggles, the ups and downs come here for him to do this. Now I'm here a single mom with my kids. Like, what in the world? You know, it was it was really dark for me for a while. It was dark. Things were really dark. Um, but you come out of it, you know, and you you look back on things and you reflect and you you grow. Yeah, sometimes I think the the beating up yourself is worse than the actual mistake. Like mm-hmm. I feel like we can be so mean to ourselves. Yes. It's tough because you thought you were doing the right thing at the time, right? Right. Yeah, at the time I did. I didn't realize, though, that I had a codependency issue. You know what I'm saying? Um, That need to always want to save people, to always want to come to the rescue, you know, or to always be needed. Connecting to people that you know need you because it validates you some kind of way as a person. I didn't realize how detrimental that, like, this is toxic behavior. (laughs) I mean, everybody wants their uh, their Beyonce and Jay-Z tour, right? They want their Jay-Z used to cheat, now we're together and we're a fucking power couple. Like, that could have been you. Like, my man used to do crack and cheat on me, and now we're a comedy couple or something. No, did you see Why Do Fools Fall in Love? <laughs> Remember when she left and went on tour and left him at her mansion? And he, like, got high and she came back. The place was shut down. The pool didn't have any water in it. The re- the, the foreclosure note was on the door. Yeah, no. No, no amount of money and no amount of crack is enough. <laughs> there you go, exactly. More money just means more crack, right? Yeah. Exactly. But like I said, thankfully now he is clean. Um, it's 10 years clean for him, actually. Hell ten, yeah. 10 years clean for him. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, our, our kids just found out recently that, because I never, you know, I never told them anything. You know, my mom with her big mouth, though, she felt the need to to share that information. <laughs> but um yeah. So the kids just found out recently about, you know, their dad having a drug problem. How did that conversation go? Oh, my son was ticked off. Yeah. My daughter, she's kind of like, "Well, whatever." Uh, <laughs> you know. Um but my son was really, he was hurt and he was very upset, you know. Oh. Yeah, he was upset. I feel like uh you have a you have a lot on your plate and you still manage to juggle it. Like how do you do all like how do you juggle all this happening at the same time? I you know, I don't know. I have a lot of breakdowns in in the midnight hour, you know, you cry it out. Yeah. Um no, I you know what pray I pray I pray a lot. Um I try to stay positive, I try to stay focused, you know. Um I've learned that, you know, complaining and, and stuff like that and stressing, it doesn't change anything. You still gotta at the end of the day, you still got to figure it out. When you have children depending on you, being a mom is a, it, it'll whip your ass into shape. You know what I'm saying? Because you have these little you. people depending on you. You don't have time to to crumble. You don't have time to. You got to make it happen. You know, because they're wait. They're depending on you. I need to have a kid. I told you, bro. That like, all jokes aside, my sister had a kid by a deadbeat three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, drug dealer dude 
And uh, she said it made her get her shit together. Like, she was like, I have to focus. Someone depends on me now. And I've, like, watched that transformation yeah. happen. So Andrew and I are thinking that if we had children. Just knock some lady up. We, uh, now. We're motivated. We're going to get it together. More, yeah. what, do you, what do you think of that plan? Andrew seems like he lives a really reckless life. Like, he, <laughs> he seems like he really lives on the edge. Like I do. Yeah. I mean, he seems like he really lives on the edge. I'm surprised so, you don't have some kids out there by now. You <laughs> like you've had some drunk nights where you probably have just fucked somebody and woke up the next day. Like, what the fuck? I always buy the pill. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Plan B. Plan B. See? Stick the raw dick in there, but just buy the pill. I don't know. Andrew seems like he lives really on the edge. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, though. You seem like you make a great dad. You really do. I want to be a dad one day. I'm telling you, you seem like you, I can see you tossing the football and cussing your son out. And uh, I see with a son. Uh, Yeah, I would love a son. I want a son. Yes. Because I'm the last, I got to continue the name, Mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, but not till I'm like, 30, after 35, I'll start thinking about it. Oh, no. you about to fuck up. <laughs> um, yeah, you probably should have a child. You seem more You'd like a family man. Yeah. You, you seem more like the family man with the nice wife and the really pretty wife that people look at and say, how the hell did he pull that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like a couple kids and, you know, I'm saying the nice clean house with the big kitchen that's in the magazine. I love to cook. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I see love it. watching people eat it's like nine food. or ten of them. Nine or two kids? No, maybe two or three at the most. Yeah, I think from a business standpoint, I can handle two, maybe three kids. Yeah, that's all I see. Two or three at the most. Yeah. Two, three is pushing it. Like, Mm -hmm. after three, I'm getting snipped. Like, because we can't risk it anymore. Yeah, I see a huge... Because I have a good eye for seeing the future. I see a family here. Here, Andrew, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... Your your son's mom's is going to be some kind of drug addict, slut. and she's going to leave that baby with you, and you're going to be a single dad. But you're going to do great. He's going to be a great dad. You're going to be a great dad. You're going to be a single you know dad, but you're going to do great. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll yeah, take I, that. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I feel like he'd really flourish in that role. Like it'd be like I'm the sole person responsible, and he like steps it up. He's got. It's got to be that way. That's the only way he's going to step up to the plate. Like yeah. I mean, he's going to step up to the plate, but he's got to. When he's that single dad, is just him. He's no support there. It takes a... We were just talking about this. We, My niece and nephew don't have dads, and it takes a village. Yeah. We got the neighbor babysitting, I babysit, my their grandparents babysit. You know, it's like everybody helps each other out. It takes a village. So I hope I have a support system when I have two stepkids and a dead baby mama. Wow. <laughs> no, she won't be dead. She'll just be on drugs real bad. I'm down with that. Dr- <laughs> They're freaks. <laughs> I see. I told you. <laughs> so, um, you got a good like. It, it seems like you've been able to rationalize a lot. Like you look back and you're like, "This needed to happen." I have two kids from it. Things are going like this happened for a reason. Uh, what do you say to somebody who is going through? They're like they're in Michigan right now. They're they're you in Michigan, and they're in the middle of the the pain part. What do you say to that person? I say put you first, take care of you first um, for, you know, don't get so caught up in the other person. I mean, they have their, 
that because I did that for a long time. I would always feel like, well, he needs me. You know what I'm saying? If I bail, what's he going to do? He's going to do like he's been doing. He's going to keep smoking crack. Or, you know what I'm saying? He's going to figure it out. He's been surviving fine without you. But in my mind, I had got to this place where I felt like I couldn't just bail on him. He needed me. I needed to be there for him. I got to support him. He's my husband. And in the church, especially in the black church, like, you got to be ride or die. Yeah, you got to be ride or die. They they program you to think like you got to stay in this stuff and it's toxic and it's horrible. <laughs> to be honest, I actually used to believe I get to cheat. Like, I mean, and <laughs> like I'm serious, like not even joking, because I was like, she's just going to put up with it. Like every few years I get to have a jump off or something and I just come home and like, baby, you don't understand. Like, uh I love you. I ain't really love her. It was just a thing. And, like, she's going to be cool with it. Like, I really I really thought, like, that's what it meant, like, to be in a marriage is I got to do what I wanted. Especially if you're in church because y'all going to pray about it. Exactly. Y'all going to go to the pastor. Y'all going to pray about it. The church going to tell her to stay, keep her family together. And the whoop, there it is. Exactly. I truly believe that's the way it works. And now I'm upset that I found out that's not how it works. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and. Even to even add more to the story, my husband was a minister. Oh, word. Whoa. In the church, minister, yes. Oh, some ministers be getting it in. <laughs> getting it in, yes. Minister. I've watched him, and I probably should well forget it. Fuck him. Um, like, I know I've watched him like go. I would watch him go and preach sermons, anointed sermons, like not saying God. So God can use anybody. Anointed sermons, watch him go preach, and they give him money afterwards for a service, and he'd take that money and go right to the crack house with it. Damn. Dang. I need to become a minister. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped going at that point. I'm like, I can't support this. You know, I'm, I won't be going to church with you anymore. Yeah, like I can't watch <laughs> I'm not this being go a down. part of this. Yeah, this is too much. It's a difference between religion and relationship, yeah. I think. You know, even in you, a lot of people would be appalled for you to say, oh, my God, I cuss God out or I check God. But I think God has an understanding of our hurt and what we go through as humans. So I don't think anything takes him by surprise. I think, if anything, he understands that you're pissed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to you why this is happening to such a great person, you know. So. You got to be careful with church people because, yeah, they'll they'll have you in a pickle. <laughs> exactly, and that's how I feel about it. Like, I'm not super religious, but I feel like him and I have a good relationship because I can I can have those conversations. Like, yo, what the mm-hmm. fuck is going mm-hmm. on? Like, why? What what is in your plan right now? <laughs> yeah, and him and I just be having real ass conversations. I will say, if I ever move out west, back out there because that's where all my family is, mm-hmm. I'm joining Scientology. Really, is that like that's like the uh, wasn't the Tom Cruise kind of thing? Yeah, they're the, that's the mega, super rich, powerful one that can turn you into a celebrity. If you are backed by the Church of Scientology, look, they'll help you out in Hollywood. I'm trying to make it in Hollywood. You sure? What if they want you to do some like weird stuff when you get in there? Like, I have a price. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your transparency. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm the same way. Like some people got to go to work and don't and got to do things they don't want to do. Look, I'm tired. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be the 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 cutoff of poverty for my family. Yeah, gotcha. That's a good. It depends on how crazy they want me to be. If they want me to be crazy publicly and say crazy things. You know what? If the world thinks I'm crazy and I collect a check at the end of the day, what's wrong with that? What if yeah. they want you to do some perverted sexual things? Oh, oh. there's a line. There's a line there. Uh, 
But uh, the price goes up, but I still have the price. <laughs> uh, speaking of Eminem in Michigan and tying all this to, together, when he came out and dissed his mama and like they were having their public feud, my mama came in my room and was like, "Listen, if you ever make it and you need to diss me publicly to get more money." I'm cool with it. it. So, like, that's a line I don't have. Like, I, my mama told me I can trash her publicly if needed. If needed. <laughs> to make some money. Just cut her in. She said she'll trash me publicly. <laughs> like, fuck that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just cut each other checks. That's what I think it would be fun if me and you had a beef. If yeah, we just, we like, manufacture. Oh, wow. Y'all got it all mapped out. <laughs> I'll fake my death. We can do, like, a Biggie Tupac thing. Just and then, like, come back after seven years. It'd be great. Would you fight him? Like, physically fight him? Would you whoop his ass? And- For public? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's your line with money? Like, if somebody was handing out seven-figure, eight-figure checks, what's your line? I don't know. Like, I have, I don't know. Like, I, I always purpose to never say never. Okay. But, like, I see those stupid memes. And they're some of the stupidest memes you see. Like, it's like I saw one the other day, and somebody had, like, a fungus leg with gangrene on it. And it's like, would you lick his leg for a million dollars? And everybody was like, no, I'll go to jail first. I wouldn't do it. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I think I might lick that. <laughs> It's life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, I've done worse for less. I, I, I don't know. I might lick that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, how can you explain to your kids, like, I couldn't take five seconds to lick something to pay your tuition forever. Fuck those kids. I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> You know, I could just live great. You know? Oh, man. How much money some of these, like, why is that looked down upon, like, licking that leg? People are like, Ew, you're gross or whatever. But then you got people out here selling nudes. 10 bucks a pop, making how much money? Like I think it was up to over 700000 Did you hear about that? No, for nudes? Yeah, yeah. so this woman oh. was trying to raise money for uh, Australia. And she like, said, I'll send you nudes $10 a pop. And made over $700,000. And it's like, really? Wow. That's a come up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you men are golly gee, y'all some sick ass. <laughs> y'all some sick people. <laughs> I, I've never paid for nudes. Me neither. Ten dollars. That means you can go online and just get it for free. That means mm-hmm. over seventy thousand men sent her money. Like, if it's that, is, she changed her life in twenty four hours. If she wanted to keep that money. Wow. How do you even file that on your taxes? Do you <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I I'm like, shit I wish women paid I wish I could do that but yeah I wish yeah. women were interested enough in dick pics <laughs> like, they would send, Venmo me five bucks for, for a dick pic every dick pic yeah hmm. it would be so easy I would be so rich if I was a hot girl you should trick them send them his dick instead <laughs> <laughs> send McNeil's dick with your face on it I'm here for it <laughs> I, I'm pretty good at Photoshop now. So. <laughs> not saying that you don't, you know what I'm saying? That's not an insult to your manhood or anything like that. I'm just... It might be a fetish out there. <laughs> it might just be interesting. We were talking how uh, crazy the world's getting. Like, uh, before we were talking about how, like, you can't even touch your windshield without passing out. Right, Dude. exactly. It's crazy, right? It is crazy. How does that make you feel to be in this world, like, uh, right now with it being so crazy? Because I feel like... I feel like it, since you were watching Happy Days and whatnot, like the, it was like a fun, nice, time, yeah. friendly time. And they- now it's like crazy. So I really, I'd be like 
talking to God like nigga do you see what's going on down here like in this shit like what the fuck you, I know you see this shit right like, step in do something call it a rap bust this up it's over we've had our time wrap it up humans it's, are fucking up it's time for this to be over yeah it's, it's time for it to be over you know we got too much technology too much it's too much it's just time I think it's it's time um this world is crazy it's not even safe for for it's just you can't eat the meat you can't eat the vegetables <laughs> i mean golly you can't eat anything they're snatching up little kids they're snatching up women it's just time it's just really time there it's used over. to be honor among the thieves like that's what's messing me up about the world like there used to be an honor like you didn't mess with kids and you didn't mess with the old people like fine we're in our 30s 40s 50s we can get our ass whooped and get robbed but you didn't fuck with like the old old people. Exactly. Yeah. Now they don't give a fuck no yeah. more. Like, no, I'm seeing like stories where old ladies are getting raped, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, just. David Cross, I just heard a joke. I just listened to his stand up album, and uh, his opener is. Um, I just want to say that the it was a tragedy, uh, the the terrorist attacks at the 2020 Olympics. Which haven't happened yet. <laughs> and he was like, too soon? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that you could, like, what if that shit ha- happened? Like, it's not that implausible that, like, something. It's crazy. You got shootings every day. Like, you could almost predict them. Yeah. Oh, uh, you can. It's crazy. And it's like, I don't like state, like the state fair. I don't go to the state fair. I'm too paranoid. It's just big groups of people. Yeah, I don't like big crowds of people because you don't know who's a nut job out here. You don't know who's a fucking racist out here waiting to shoot everybody up you know it's just it's crazy it, man it used to be honor you used to you used to kill the person you were mad at <laughs> yeah, and then and yourself anybody else. Exactly. and that's it that's yeah. it like only one person risk <laughs> now you got you got to kill 10 people with you like what what in the world it's crazy my daughter is 11 and she's like talking to me about a school shooter and what should she do? And they're Whoa. having like, you know, these drills on what to do if a school shooter comes. And I'm like, you know, terrible. Oh, wow. Um, so what else have you learned through some of your mistakes? Like, uh, um, yeah. What have you learned? Um, you know, I've, I've learned, I've made, you know, my life has been a plethora of, <laughs> of bad decisions, uh, and mistakes, but I've learned that, those things shape you ultimately, you know, when you're in them, you, you, but ultimately those things do shape you, um, to become the person, you know, to become a better person. Um, and they give you life experience. A lot of the things I've ta- I talk about in my comedy and a lot of the success I have, I think in my material is because of my life experiences. Had I not had, um, these four kids that drive me freaking crazy or you know had I not married my husband with his drug problems and things like that I wouldn't have these things to be able to talk about um and to be able to laugh about them now me and my husband we can laugh about things like you know at the time when he pawned my shit no it was not funny but (laughs) we can laugh about it now like hey remember that time you you know I came home your tv was gone and shit like we can laugh (laughs) about those things now um so I think that ultimately though you you can't take anything for granted um I think God uses everything that we go through um so um you do find the humor ultimately there is humor like you say in every mistake that we make you just got to be able to find it are you getting better at finding it at the time? Like, as a mistake is happening, are you able to say, like, oh, this is going to be funny one day? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Do things, I, hurt, no. Do things hurt? Le- are you, like, what are some of the tools 
Because as you get older and go through experiences and stuff, I feel like people are able to adapt and recognize that it's not the end of the world, right? Right, exactly. Um, can you talk about like some of the tools you might have in your toolbox that help you cope and stuff in the moment? Hmm. Well, like I said, I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of people might be shocked because of the way I talk a lot of times, but I am very spiritual. I am, and I'm tell you, prayer. Um, and just going in my little quiet place helps me a lot. I have to do that a lot. I have to steal away, um, a lot and just kind of woosah and kind of just, you know what I'm saying? If I just have to put on my worship music, if I just have to sit there, sometimes I do, I have to cry. Um, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take that time to kind of just, you can't stay tensed up and, and worrying about it the whole time. At some point you got to step outside of your situation. And that's what I'm fine now. Even now, like if I have, um, financial problems, you know, with my kids or whatever I'm dealing with, um, I, cause I, I, I struggle with depression from time to time. So to keep myself from going in that, that depressed mode, cause sometimes if you know anything about depression, you know, when you get in, it can, just you go lower and lower and lower if you don't pull yourself out. So when I feel myself like feel it coming on now, um, like I said, I'll try to go into prayer or I'll, I'll talk to somebody. Whereas before I wouldn't talk to people. I just would steal away and keep it to myself. But now I'll call my friends. Um, I've gained those type of friends in comedy because we're all retarded, right? All comedians have, we're all kind of like off, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And we all kind of understand that disconnect, that mental disconnect, Exactly. you know, so I can call another comedian and say, I can call Andrew and say, listen, I'm going through this and I'm, I'm feeling depressed and it's, you know what I'm saying? And he'll understand. He won't look at me like, like, girl, you better shake that shit off. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He'll understand that depression. He'll understand. And so that helps to have people in your circle that you can be transparent and open with. Very true. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of comedians will use their stand-up material as therapy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, like, you'll hear it and you'll be like, should I ask that comedian if they're okay? <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. uh a lot, they'll like tell jokes about losing their job and not getting up for 10 days and not moving. And you're like, should I offer that? Com-? Like, let me call that comedian and make sure they're all right. Cause their material sounds like they're sad right now. Yeah. I, it is a, pr- I have done that a handful of times mm-hmm. with comics that I don't necessarily hang out with. Uh, I've seen one of them was a guest recently, but uh, I just sent him a Facebook message. I was like, yo, you, dude, you all right? Like, you just want to go to the park and we can shoot some basketball and just, like, hang out. Right. Don't talk comedy. Don't, you know, whatever. Like, do you want to get out of the house, you know? And uh, it's not as awkward as you think, reaching out to people. No, it's, and some people want that. A lot of times they, they want that. They want somebody to ask, are you okay? And sometimes they don't. No, I'm fine. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> but sometimes they do. They want that. You know, they want somebody to check on them. And sometimes you got to force people to get your ass up and get out. You know, come out of this funk. Because like I said, I know if you stay in it, you go deeper and deeper and deeper in that depression. Exactly. I think sometimes like you'll retreat away and the best thing you can do is like go out and be with people like go to the open mic and chat with someone or get up and go on a walk like just Mm -hmm. before it goes too deep and you really can't get up Mm -hmm. like just say I'm going to get up and do something. Yeah, because you'll feel better afterwards. You will feel better afterwards. Um, You you will. You'll feel better afterwards. Sometimes I'll look around my I can tell when I'm I'm look around my house because I'm very organized with my house. When I look around and shit is everywhere and I haven't cleaned up, then I know, Okay, you know what, girl, you better pull it together here. You know what I'm saying? You kind of. 
you might want to check your mental because <laughs> look at this place. You know, it's 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 out of order. And so you have to watch those type of things. Organized with kids? How does that work? <laughs> you train them. Okay. My kids know. Like, they know. They're scared. Like, I have this persona that they think that I, like, will snap mentally and go crazy and kill everybody. <laughs> like, they, they don't know that I really won't, but they think that I'll kill them and then kill myself. <laughs> like, I scared the shit out of them. <laughs> you got to have that fear with kids. Though. Like, I'm still scared of my mama. Like, mm-hmm. to this day. Um, like I got in trouble and she came to school with me for a week. Like, have you had to have that moment where you like put that fear into your kids? Like, mama don't play. Yes, I do. Well, now I have because I have two older children. I have a twenty-seven-year-old and a twenty-five-year-old. Okay, and then I have the twelve and the eleven-year-old. So we got two sets of kids, and it's it's different raising two kids in your twenties than it is in your forties, you know? And so the two older ones, they like, you know, you let these two get away with everything and you don't whoop their ass. And, you know, but they don't understand that. Listen, I'm getting on, I can't be breathing all hard and you know what I'm saying? Raising belts and stuff like I can't. So I have to use a little bit more fear with these two younger ones to make them think that, listen, your strategy's better. Like, you yeah. had two kids, it's and now you optimized it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have to use your strategy. But uh, it's, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's I got I to gotta just keep there. Like, I just, I'll be like, I'll kill both of you motherfuckers right now. And I'll kill myself, too. I hate everybody. I don't want to be here. <laughs> and then, you know, they be looking all scared and shit. Like, they about to cry. And, oh, man. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Do you find that, like, there were things that you would do differently as a parent now than like, since you're raising two sets and you've gotten to change your parenting ways, like are there things that you would have done differently? Yeah, definitely. Oh, most definitely. I think um, with my younger kids, I cursed a lot. I cursed a lot, but that's how my mom raised me. My mom cursed a lot. So I cursed my kids out a lot. Um, And, I don't know. Sometimes we don't realize words, you know what I'm saying? Words are, words can be brutal, you know, even with children, you know, but when you're a single mom and you're frustrated, that's your release, you know, you, you, you just, you know, but I didn't realize until later on that, damn, all that cursing these kids out kind of, you know, (laughs) it kind of affected them, you know? Um, So I wish that I could handle them the way that I could have handled the, the older two, the way that I handle these younger two. Um, but then again, I don't know. They're boys. I was raising them in Detroit as a single mom by myself. Well, you got to be tough. I had to be tough. I, I had to, you know, I couldn't take that chance. Oh, yeah. My mom was a lot tougher on me <laughs> than she was my sister's. And I turned out better. So <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, she was really rough on me because she was like, listen, statistically, you're supposed to go to jail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. so I can't have that happen. Uh, you don't have a dad. He's in jail. Like, it's not looking good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got to kind of keep your foot in their ass and on their neck. Like, you you, you, you don't have a lot of leeway room to be nice. You got to be this bitch all the time. At exactly. Least, you know, but now, like, they're like, you know, damn, you were so mean growing up. Um, so sometimes I feel like, damn, maybe I shouldn't have been, you know. But I don't know. Like you said, look, one's 27. He's... Graduated from college. He's an accountant. He's doing great. And I got that 25-year-old. <laughs> man, that one there. He's figuring it out. Ooh, he irks my... Oh, my <laughs> God. That one there. Shit. Ooh, good googly goo. Yeah, that one drives me crazy. I can't stand that one. I cannot stand him, literally. He, oh. Mm. He's figuring it out, though. Mm. 
Yeah. He oh. He's just not uh not your type of person. He's just I don't. He's just that 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 young just entitled like you know somebody owes him something and i don't have to respect anybody and i can say what i want to say and do what i want this young generation yeah. you know, how old are you andrew 28 28 okay so you're you're moving past it a little bit you're you're like you know but that whole like i just can't stand them you know they're licking each other's ass right they're, they're licking ice cream in the grocery <laughs> store like they can't be trusted they, they, they're just ignorant and it, it's just oh i just i can't stand it Licking ass is how I realized peer pressure was real. <laughs> but like, I never knew the like I knew celebrities had an effect on people and peer pressure had an effect on people. <laughs> but celebrities and peer pressure made people think licking ass is okay. Scientifically, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Salmonella is a thing. Okay. Yeah, but it's the young minds. It's these young. I I hope nobody of my age bragging. I'm not licking nobody's ass, and I don't want anybody to lick mine. But. <laughs> I think it's these young people. It's this young generation. They, oh, they want to try everything. They want to try everything. Every they, single drug. Every Listen, when they lick the ice cream in the grocery store, I was just was like, okay, <laughs> you motherfuckers like to lick. <laughs> they like to lick. Clearly, there's something about licking that turns them on. <laughs> I've I've decided that I let everybody do their own thing because I don't want to try to understand anymore. The world's gotten too crazy, so everybody just do their own thing. And I just do my own thing. Yeah. I can't understand it. I saw a lady do a video and she had to be like 500 pounds and she was a porn star and um, she would do these videos in her house and people would like she was making tons of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars because men would pay her to just watch her do these like perverted sex acts or to watch her eat. Just like to watch her eat like a whole pizza or ice cream and stuff naked. <laughs> and I just was like. You men are some <laughs> sick ass <Yo>. people. <laughs> I keep, I used to try to defend men, but then there's sometimes I'm like, how sick are we? Like, how far does it go? Because I keep thinking there's a line men won't cross and they keep crossing it. I'm starting to think that there's a market out there for me. I'm going to get online and start making money. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Andrew writes jokes money. naked. <laughs> Somebody probably pay to see that. Other men probably. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need to know if it's a screen name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can just separate. Look, I'm tired of being broke. <laughs> this world has beaten me into submission. Uh, so, um, oh, I've actually watched the transition. So, like, uh, with ki- like kids and how they act. So when I was uh, in college and I was uh, mentoring kids, it was crazy to watch the transition of how on their cell phones they are. Mm-hmm. Like I remember having a one-on-one with this teenager and like they were having a conversation like you and I are having, but they had their phone in front of their face the entire time. And it was a one-on-one meeting that we were having. <laughs> and it was like, it's just what they do now. And like some of my younger sisters will sit there and, do like be on their phone the entire time while having a conversation, and it's not rude to them at all. It's just so it's just I don't know, I don't know where we dropped the ball at with these. You know what I'm saying? I'm like something went wrong. Your generation, y'all, y'all didn't raise us right. I I blame hip hop music. I really do. I I hate to say it, but I think that hip hop music, definitely for African Americans, I think that's one of the worst. Next to social media, I think hip hop music is one of the worst things that could happen to us as a people. 
Agreed. <laughs> I, I'm a pretty smart dude, and I used to think that Lil Wayne was out here killing people. Like, I truly believed it. Like, in my heart of hearts, I would defend that he had three teardrops because he killed people, and it wasn't a marketing ploy. So, like, yeah, there are people out there who really believe that hip-hop is living that lifestyle. They do. And I, even my 25-year-old, his version of how he grew up is totally different from my 27-year-old version. I've he's, he's so convinced that he grew up with this hard lifestyle that I've had to ask other people in my family, like, did I miss something? This boy went to Catholic school. Like, what is he talking about? He grew up with this hard street life. You know, I'm like, and I think he listens to these this music and these songs and he wants to be able to connect with that on such a level that he's convinced himself that he grew up in this hard life. When? <laughs> I want to stun on people because <laughs> of rap music. I can't wait to stun on my haters. And I don't even have any. <laughs> but I want to have haters because of rap music. I'm tell I, I hate it. I think it just it, it degrades women. Um I think it just promotes to young girls that they are nothing but ass and titties and, and sex objects. And if you want to make it big um, use your body. That's all you got because you ain't got shit going on mentally. So just try to get the fast money, you know, twerk your ass and and, and just be a whore out here. Um, that's it. You know, it just, I just hate it. It perpetuates that beauty is nothing but light skin with long wavy hair. And it's just, it's just disgusting. <laughs> I hate that I listen to it sometimes. Cause I know it's, it's bad. I know, like, I was listening to the song today about just selling drugs. I'm like, this dude obviously cannot be selling as many drugs as he raps about. Like, there's no way he lived that lifestyle. Have you seen that meme? Uh, it's like me as I'm listening to gangster rap music while I'm doing the dishes. <laughs> like, I'm about that life, doing the dishes at the house. Like, I'm telling you. I hate it. I, I think it's it's one of the reasons I believe it's it is one of the contributing factors to the demise of this up and coming generation. It's these twenty something year olds. They well, it it, it became mm-hmm. so popular that it's not just like black people that listen to it anymore. It's like spread out to where you have these white suburban kids acting like they live this lifestyle too. It it's it keeps worst. spreading. It's, yeah, it's even worse. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put on my conspiracy hat. I think it's all manufactured for a reason. I think they want the young. I think they saw what MTV can do and the influence that they it had in the '90s and stuff. And now they're they're whoever who I don't know who they are, but uh, they want Facebook and hip hop and all this stuff to keep people dumb and not knowing what's really going on. And because uh, shit, I can't tell a real headline from a fake headline anymore. I agree with that. Like I think, I think that yes, yeah, made to make us passive. Like they killed Je- uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Like it had happened in front of our faces. <laughs> like it, it literally happened in front of our faces, and we're all like, we joke about it, right? We joke but about like, it. is it really funny if you think about it on the grand scheme? No, of it's terrifying. No, it's yeah. yeah, it's like this man was a pedophile, <laughs> knew a whole pedophile ring of billionaires, and they killed him in front of our faces. Yeah. The world we but live. hey, J. Cole just dropped a new album. Yes, I don't know. It's crazy because when I think about like growing up for me, like we had like N.W.A. and you know the, those guys rapped, but it was like I don't know, like it was gangster rap, but it wasn't. It's like they didn't sell this pipe dream. Like they weren't driving these, you know, selling us this pipe dream that you know you could. 
like now it's like all it is is about driving a fancy car and putting on some expensive clothes and getting the baddest bitch and and, and just selling crack. And I, I think it just sells these kids a, a pipe dream that's just not going to happen. <laughs> and, I, and I think the pioneers did a bad job of telling exactly what they did. Like someone like Ice Cube, I don't think he delivered well his process, right? Mm-hmm. Like you take No Vaseline. No Vaseline is really talking about uh, which is a diss song, but it's talking about I got up on I got from out of the record labels. Mm-hmm. I'm not owned by the white man, and I got up from under y'all. And y'all'd rather be look like the men and and have someone taking your money, right? And m- fucking you with no Vaseline. And I'm an entrepreneur, and I did my own thing now. And it's like a, if you think about it, like that's what you're supposed to do, like own your own shit and make your way, right? But I feel like Ice Cube did a terrible job of telling. That's what that song is about. It's more of he did not tell his process. Jay-Z did not tell his process of I'm becoming an entrepreneur out here. He you know, I just think they didn't they didn't deliver their process well. Well, I can I can I can see that. I can see it's kind of like just went from this to this. Exactly. It, they didn't give the 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 middle piece and I think these kids are just caught up in the end result. They, exactly. They don't want to do the work anyway. I, yeah. Even if he gave them the roadmap, these the lazy game, motherfuckers ain't going to do it. They're not going to do it. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'll sit on that <laughs> lean. Are they, what are the kids on nowadays? I don't know. Listen, Still they coding? gave me some of that lean one time when I had bronchitis. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, I could see. Um, you get some good sleep on that stuff. Really? Man. I broke my toe once and uh, I went in hoping for some like real powerful, <laughs> like whatever they got the suburban moms hooked on. And uh, <laughs> they gave me, they, yeah, they gave me lean and it was, it was great. It was, yeah. Those, but oh, yeah. still, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Reality, you got, you, you know what I'm saying? You weren't going back to, to a month later, you know what I'm saying? My toe is still hurting. Can I get another yeah. bottle? You know, <laughs> these kids, I don't know. Yeah, rappers dying in airports and. When I got my kidney removed, I got the good stuff. And my mom's a nurse, so she was, like, giving it to me and weaned me off of it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I can see how you could just be like, this shit is great. Like, I was (laughs) on another planet with some of those pills they were giving me. Yeah, some some good shit. I just came out the hospital not too long ago, and they were giving me Dilaudid. And I'm going to tell you. I swear I heard a voice telling me, tell him you still hurting. Just so they can get me. (laughs) And I wasn't even hurting anymore, but it was, I swear someone was like, Tell her lie. Tell her you still hurt. <laughs> so you she can give you another kidneys. shot. That's like another morphine, one removed. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I was like literally nodding like a just a heroin addict. Just but man, you don't feel anything. Like you get hit by a bus or something. <laughs> you won't feel anything. It was- the, the funny thing is, is they're starting to wean, like stop doing that. So like uh I had that surgery in college getting my kidney removed. Mm-hmm. Uh but then like about a year or two ago I had to have no surgery. Um, and they don't give you the good stuff unless you need it, need it. So, like, I thought they were going to give me the good stuff after my <laughs> surgery, and they were like, no, these suburban white moms have fucked it up for everybody. They gave you a Motrin 800. <laughs> they are like, here's some, here's some Tylenol. <laughs> unless you come in and, like, you were in pain, pain, you got to suck it up because mm. uh, it requires so many more signatures now to get it. Yeah, like, well, I was happy. I was like, I'm going to be high. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, really hurt. And they gave me Tylenol threes, mm. and I was like, "Really? This is the most powerful. This is nothing. This is candy." <laughs> yeah. All right, my headache's gone. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Damn, but, you like, suburban white moms, ruin everything. Just God. fuck it up for everybody. 
Like, I like to see it, like, as a vacation. Like, every maybe five, ten years, you have something major happen. You get to take some major pain pills. Not anymore. You know, and they said North Carolina is, like, at the top of, like, brightening these prescription drugs. Um, doctors are, like, just, were, they had to do something because doctors were just off the chain with it, just writing these heavy prescription drugs. It's correct. I what? would know if I had insurance and could actually go to a hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to get insurance. It's great. <laughs> I just want to get it so they stop killing me with the taxes. Oh, yes. Oh. So you got to get a good job. like what's the, Or marry, get, get you a wife with some good insurance. I am trying to marry up. That is my only goal in life. I hate my mom used to say that all the time about my husband. Oh, he hit the jackpot when he married your ass. I used to hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, props to him. Amen. <laughs> yeah, he sure. That's how he went to treatment on my Blue Cross. And my mom used to always say that. He went to treatment on that good Blue Cross you got. <laughs> I used to hate that. He married up. Yeah. You got you to gotta learn. You got to digmatize somebody. I'm trying to. Look, I'm going to marry a girl with a college degree. There you go. You're there right you here go. in the area. Hey, All these college girls around here. <laughs> get it down. Get get your dick game down, Pat. You can digmatize somebody. There's someone out here willing to be digmatized. Just got to make them fall in love. Got to make them fall in love. You got to know, you know what? Don't try to do it sexually. You got to do it mentally. Oh, true. You get the mind, everything else is going to follow. Yeah. You're going to start, you ever come down Chapel Hill again, you're going to start seeing me on Franklin reading a book. Yeah. I'm not actually reading because I can't (laughs) read. But (laughs) Be be everything that they read in the books and watched in those movies. Just be that guy. Yeah, there you go. And have them fall. And just make sure they get to tell your friends. Don't make them look stupid. And they get to tell their friends that they made an amazing dude. Who should I be? Who's the Who's the guy? You mean like celebrity wise, or just like? Yeah. Let me see. Um, the Fonz. No. You said oh, Happy Days earlier. You don't have know. the money, but not <laughs> not the um. No, you should be like Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. You gotta woo them. Okay. okay, you don't have the money. You may not have the millions of dollars, but there's other little things you can do. You know, it doesn't take much to. I mean, people think women are complicated, but we're not. It doesn't take much. You I know brought you a Reese's. You ain't gonna put a cute little note on it though. Some corny shit. It's the little things, man. It's I'm the telling little you. things. Uh, I once made up this little. Uh, I made like a ticket, and I gave it to her for our second date, and was like. You were going to go out on a second date, and it was corny as fuck, but you know they like corny. I'm telling you, we like corny shit. That's why he's getting married in two months. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, do some corny shit. You got to do some romantic corny. And when she's out, out, you got to act like she is just, ooh, like, mm, you got to make her feel really special. Because she needs to be able to stone on her friends because most dudes aren't going to do the corny shit. So if you do all the corny shit, she can tell her friends, and you look like the man, and that'll... That'll make her win. There you go. I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. They talk. Yeah. And then, then her friends are going to hate you, or her friends' boyfriends are going to hate you because you make all of them look bad. <laughs> uh, the flowers on the anniversary, just do the shit that is, you know. Yeah, you don't got to eat her ass or anything like that. <laughs> just do some romantic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. Save yourself that, that risk. Don't get the salmon Yeah, don't. Nah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she asked, just change the subject. <laughs> Don't risk E. coli. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't have insurance. I can't risk it. <laughs> um, so what's your what's your writing process? Like, like how do you process everything that's happened in your life and find the funny in it? You know, I, um, 
I just write everything. I don't, you know, really right now I'm like in, in terms of comedy, cause I'm very analytical. Like I gotta have, like, I'm one of those people, like I need to know that a connects to B and B connects to C and this is how you do it. And comedy is kind of like not that way. Um, so now I find myself reading a lot of books, comedy books, and I'm searching, um, in terms of writing, trying to learn more about structure and how to write my stuff. Because normally I just write, I just write what happened. I write it out, but then it's like, I just got these pages of stuff and it's like, okay, now how do I structure all this? How do I put it together? So actually right now I'm in that phase of, I need to learn how to organize my material and how to put this stuff together. And, you know, I just need to go a little bit deeper with it. Or a good book I'm reading now is like the comic toolbox. Comic toolbox. Okay. Yeah, It's like by Judah. I forgot Judah something. I forgot his last name, but it's, it's really good. It talks about, uh, like finding the truth in your comedy and like it's, it's, it's structured very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that's kind of my goals for 2020 is just like to learn, like, what does it mean to actually structure a joke properly, like a professional? Right. You know, because I've just been sitting out here just jacking up shots. Exactly. I'm reading Breaking Comedy's DNA. Okay. That's oh, a pretty is good that a good book. one? It's a pretty good book, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a good but A lot of um, format and structure stuff in there. It talks about our brain and what triggers brain uh, laughter in our brain. So it's, it's been a good read so far. Yeah, it has like a lot of uh, uh, like workout, like mm-hmm. workouts, like mm-hmm. comics. It's like, hey, read the news, and you should be able to write twenty jokes mm-hmm. from what just happened today. And it's like, I've actually never done that. I just find like a funny thing mm-hmm. that I think happened, and like just doing the reps mm-hmm. and doing. Yeah, I think it's tra- you got to train yourself, um, and that's where I I got to get more discipline and taking that time to turn my phone off, turn the TV off, and just this is my time to write or read or just, you know, focus on comedy um, instead of just relying on the, the material that I have already. You know, you got to continue to grow in this thing. I hate that. I can't do the same jokes longer than I, I like to do new, especially open mics. Mm-hmm. I like to do new stuff every time. Really? Yeah. I, I really hate repeating jokes. So how do you ever like really perfect a joke if you... I probably it's a it's probably a flaw. I probably don't actually have jokes reach their full potential. Uh but and I do do the same stuff. It's just that I don't like doing it, you mm. know. If I could, I would do new stuff every time, I guess. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um you know, first when I used to be like, God, why is that? I've seen this person like, and they keep telling the same jokes. But now I'm learning that you got to, that's how they evolve. Jokes I started telling, I tell that joke now and it's totally different. Um, even though the premise is the same, it has evolved. It's changed. Um, yeah. That, that part annoys me too. Cause it's like <laughs> the tediousness of trying to perfect it, but like, Every book I'm reading is like, that's what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be like 20 revisions of a joke. Maybe just change one word here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this sounds boring sometimes, but it's it's part of the process, I guess. That's what Mike Mello told me. He said, listen, you will frustrate the hell out of yourself. Keep trying to write new stuff every time. Take what you have, especially if you have something that works and you just keep molding it like a piece of clay. You keep molding it till you get it perfect. You know, I don't even think there's ever really a point where a joke becomes perfect. Um, But yeah, I don't like I don't know. I don't think I could. 
I'm not disciplined enough to write that much to be, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to have something fresh every time. That requires a lot. You know? I spend a lot of time in my car. Oh, okay. Well, you just have like little scraps of paper everywhere where you have an app on your phone? Or? Just a note on my phone and uh, I'll just like be listening to a podcast or the radio or something and I'm like, hmm, bam, premise. And that'll go on the notepad. And then later on uh, at night, I'll look at everything. and then, Or if I'm doing a mic, I'll look at it and then I'll just go up and do it. How long have you been in comedy? Uh, this will be the fifth year. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And you, and you how long have you been doing uh, about four years, five years, about the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we started out improv. Uh, I started out at stand up, but I just got dumped, so my comedy was very angry. <laughs> and I am not an angry person whatsoever. Um, those jokes, I'm glad that no one recorded them. Like <laughs> they're bad. They would get me canceled later on. <laughs> what the fuck I hate about women? <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like. And so then I started doing improv to calm down a little bit okay. and work it out. You know, gotcha. you got angry at first. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had written a joke right <laughs> after uh, your stuff got pawned, it probably would have been very... <laughs> Kill that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so one thing we like to do is we like to have someone uh, give a little bit of motivational speech. Uh, maybe there's someone out there who's just got their stuff pawned or, uh, (laughs) but yeah, whoever you think needs a a little bit of a motivation, we like for people to give a motivational speech and, and, uh, yeah, look at that camera right there and we'll put some music behind it and it'll be like a Ted talk or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, just go. Okay, um, let's see. Motivational speech. Oh, that was a question to that me. I thought that was your I thought that was your thought that was like your one line, like, look. Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. No. But um no, basically I'm motivational speech. Um I think if anything I would say, um, know your self worth. Um I think some so so many times we walk around with low self esteem, we walk in low self worth, and we don't realize our value, and we settle in life, and we compromise for a lot of things that we don't have to. Um, so you got to know your worth and know you're valuable. Um, I say that, and I say, and be fearless. Don't be afraid. Um, I've let so many things, fear shut me down for so many things in life. People have been telling me since my 20s that I should be in comedy, but I was always too afraid, always too scared to step out there. Um, Just always been scary with everything. And who knows where I would be um, had I just stepped out. Um, You don't want to wake up. For me, definitely, I don't want to wake up 60, 70 years old and be full of shoulda, wouldas, and couldas and regrets. Um, so I say live your life unapologetically. Be you. Um, embrace and love who you are, flaws and all, um, because you cannot please everybody. People are going to like you for no reason. Uh, people will have reasons that they don't like you that don't make sense. Um, so just be fearless and, and do you. You know, Live your life unapologetically with no regrets. I like that. Uh, and now I'm interested. Like, I have follow-up questions. <laughs> uh, people told you you should do comedy your whole life? Mm-hmm. My whole life. I've always heard that. Uh, what stopped you from doing it? Like, I guess you touched upon it a little bit. but Fear. Fear. And then um, just, like, when you have low self-esteem, 
you're not going to stand up in front of a room full of people. Comedy, you, you're up there in front of a room full of people, and now you're subjecting yourself <laughs> to these, uh, to what, to the response of other people. You know, you don't know. You're thinking in your mind, what are they thinking about me? Or are they looking at me like, damn, she's fat as hell. Oh, she's ugly. Or, you know, they think, oh, this bitch is corny. You know, you really subject yourself to other people when you stand up there on that stage. True. How how do you get to the point where you're comfortable? Like you you seem so comfortable now since so you do stand up. I saw you just sit in a chair once and you're just like having a conversation. <laughs> like how do you get from that like uh low self esteem in your twenties to where you're at now? I think just life and and, and you know, mistakes and, and learning and through your mistakes. Um, you know, you I don't know, you just evolve I guess you just evolve as as a person and you start to see that your behavior and the way you're living. I, for me, I started to see this is not, you know what I'm saying? This isn't, it just isn't good. I know when I took the comedy one-on-one class with Matt White, I was afraid. Like, listen, I'm not going out there and talk about, you know, my husband smoking crack. I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know, I'm not going out there, but he was able to teach me that you got to be able to find the funny and and talk about these things. And it's healing. It, It is healing for you. It really is healing for your soul. I am not as confident as I as the people think I am. People think that I am just like this, oh, life of the party, and she's got all this confidence. But, you know, and a lot of times it's not there. But I, I you know what? I say I'm not going to be full of regrets. So I'm going to go out there, nerves and all, fuck it, you know what I'm saying? I don't care. I'm just going to step out there. and Just do it. And just do it. You know, what's the worst can happen, you know? The end of eight mile. <laughs> That's it. What's the worst thing can happen? Go nobody signs my paycheck. You know, nobody has a heaven or a hell to put me in. We, you know, yeah, God's obviously not coming back anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> he's just chilling. I don't know if he's on long lunch break or what he's doing up there. Um, you got time. Yeah, you know, but you know, and I think another thing that really helped me as much as I, some of these like Cardi B's and things like that. As much as I don't, I don't really care for her. At the end of the day, I respect her hustle because. She don't give a fuck. She don't. She's her. Yeah. She is her. Unapologetically. Unapologetically. She does not give a fuck. And if you've like, (laughs) I haven't like watched, watched like, was it hip hop in Atlanta or whatever, Mm -hmm. but she's been this way the entire time. She's just the same. She just got money now. And she hasn't changed her. Successful people don't give a fuck about your opinion. She has the funniest (laughs) Twitter. Exactly. She's been popping off at the mouth forever. Forever, drugging exactly. dudes. And- <laughs> well, yeah, and and when she dropped mixtapes and people were laughing at her, she's like, "I don't give a fuck." She's her unapologetically. Exactly. She's not apologizing for shit. Yeah, <laughs> people can learn from that. Like, as much as I don't like her music, when she first dropped the mixtapes, I I said, and of course, you don't care about my opinion. I was like, she's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. She's laughing at me, and everyone else thought like thought that. That's what I said. I don't. I don't really care for her, but. I respect her hustle because it showed me something. It showed me to listen. You stay stuck in the bondage of other people's opinion. You'll never accomplish shit in life. <laughs> Drake was that person for me. Like, that's why I still like Drake because when I first heard his music, I was like, I was like, he is a nerdy dude who is never going to make it. Cause I remember he, he did a song with Trey songs. Like he just uses the grassy money to do that. And now he's just balling. And I'm like, He's like showed the world like I'm gonna be the sensitive ass rapper. Y'all gonna fucking deal with it. And gave birth to one of the greatest jokes of <laughs> the early 2010s. <laughs> Trace the type that oh man, such a good joke. 
mine was, my favorite Drake joke is, don't Drake and drive, you'll end up at your ex's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what do you have coming up? Um, let's see. Actually, um, at the end of February, I am going to Jamaica. Oh, really? I won a comedy competition last year. Damn. Um, so I um, won an all-expense-paid trip to Jamaica. So we'll be doing two shows there. So I'm excited about that. Question, is that comedy contest annual? It is. <laughs> it is. I posted it on my Facebook. When's it coming up? Um, I will tag you in it because they have it coming up again. So they do it every year. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, you got to get out there, definitely. And okay. Win a trip to Jamaica. I'm trying to so Like, that is like, hey, how long have you been doing comedy? You, three uh, years now? No, no. Um, not even two. Not even two. Okay. Damn. Not even two. Uh-uh. Um, be two like in coming up in May of this year. It'll be two years. Oh, and every first Friday, uh, I do TJ Smitty's first Friday in Raleigh. Um, so every first Friday we do that, and we guys have a great headliner and feature. So that's something to come out. But that is something new that comedian Gravedigger and I are doing. It's called Yeah I Said It. It is a podcast, kind of like radio show. We've had some people already interested in possibly picking it up for the radio. Um, and basically we just talk about um current events or um kind of controversial topics. Um and he kind of, you know, Grave is kind of out there, you know, his opinion is <laughs> he says the things that most people don't want to say. Um and so we just kind of talk about kind of everything, you know. Okay. And uh what do you have going on? Uh you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Andrew Gleason NC. My Venmo is Andrew Gleason NC. I'm going to start throwing that in there. Uh, <laughs> you can follow Humor in Mistakes on Instagram, humor.in.mistakes, and follow us, like us on Facebook. Leave a review. What do you want? Oh, do you have anything else you want to say? That anything they should they should learn? Um, like I said, nope. Just be you. Be you unapologetically. Like I said, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I have no regrets about my marriage. Um, I have mad love. I know I talk about people think like I don't hate my ex husband. We have a great friendship. We can look back on things and laugh. I love him. He's the father of my children. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's life. It happens. It happens. You, know, you go through it. You know, you grow. You learn. You evolve. Um, and I just say don't. You know, find the humor in your mistakes. It, it really is healing. At the end of the day, you may not get on a stage and, and share it with the world, but you do have to be able to laugh because there is healing in laughter. We can't get do better than that. That's the end. We're, <laughs> I, that's like we're closing on that line. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through. If you've enjoyed this, please like and subscribe, or just let us know what we can do to improve your listening experience. Thank you, little mistakers. <laughs>